1: Welcome into College Football Live. Let's go out the tunnel and straight into the portal. With big-name quarterbacks off to new homes in the Big Ten, we've got Pete Thamel here with the latest. And Alabama made an interesting coaching move signing a former Michigan assistant before their matchup against the Wolverines. And it's bowl season, baby. We've got the experts here to let you know what to watch out for. College Football Live starts now. Into College Football Live, I'm Victoria Arlen alongside Sam Macho, Jordan Reed and Pete Thamel. And look, Pete, we're going to start with you. It's Friday, it's a little crazy, and Will Rogers is looking for a new neighborhood to get to, visiting Washington. What's the latest, Pete?
2: Well, he's window shopping as we speak, Victoria. Will Rogers, a Jackson, Mississippi native who was at Mississippi State last year, is in Seattle right now on a visit. We reported earlier this week that Washington is the strong favorite for Rodgers. That remains the same, and it's likely that he'll issue a commitment at some point this weekend. For Rodgers, the attraction to Washington is simple. They led the nation in passing yards this year, obviously with Michael Penix and that great trio of receivers. Nobody throws the ball around the sandlot quite like the Huskies, and few have thrown the ball around like Rodgers. He's second all-time in SEC history in passing yards with more than 12,000. He has 94 touchdown passes in four years and 1,301 completions. Certainly that's the kind of resume that will be attractive to Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb as they start life after Penix after the playoff.
1: Absolutely, could be a very good neighborhood for him. Now, Will Rogers has had quite the run and start, As Pete mentioned, he's the SEC all-time leader in passing completions in attempts and ranks second in passing yards. Now, he entered the portal on November 27th, which had us wondering where would Mr. Rogers' new neighborhood be? Now, we've seen transfers work out well for Washington, uh, with good run of transfer QBs such as Jacob Eson and, of course, Michael Phoenix Jr., The Huskies, they're in the playoffs. It's paid off pretty well. Sam, what kind of impact do you see Rodgers having at Washington?
3: Well, he can make a huge impact. Even if you look at the offense as a whole, this offense that Washington runs is an elite offense because they run multiple, not only personnel, but different types of routes. So Will Rogers has the arm to anticipate the throws in the same way or a similar way that Michael Penix Jr. does. And I think one thing I love about Will Rogers, and I can compare it to Michael Penix, is they may not be the fastest, but they're great at moving in the pocket, subtle movements in the pocket, allow their receivers to get open. I've seen that on film from Rodgers. I also see it all the time from Michael Penix Jr.
4: Yeah, I agree, Sam. And I think the philosophical difference between both of these guys is that I think Penix has a much stronger arm than Rodgers. Rodgers more so—he kind of has selective decision making down the field, and he picks and chooses opportunities when to cash in on those opportunities down the field. He's more so, more so of your short to intermediate quarterback that really likes to pick and choose when he takes shots down the field. So, what I'm interested to see with Kalen DeBoer and then also Ryan Grubb is how they kind of shift their philosophy a little bit, or if they keep it the same as if when Michael Penix was there.
1: Now, we've seen what Penix has done with the offensive weapons he has. Both Rome Odunze and Jalen Polk now could possibly declare for the draft. Sam, what kind of, what kind of changes could that make for Rodgers if they were to declare for the draft?
3: Yeah, it would be a big deal. I mean, we've seen not only Roma Doomsday, but Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan all excel at contested catches. And and to Jordan's point, Michael Penix Jr. will take shots down the field. And so without two or maybe three of those receivers, all of a sudden someone will have to step up. We don't know who it's going to be. I think last year everyone knew about Roma Doomsday, how great he was. But just because you have a new quarterback – You're going to need that wide receiver, maybe not a trio, maybe a duo, and obviously Dylan Johnson, that transfer who was from Mississippi State as well. uh, You need a running game as well.
1: It's going to be very interesting to see how that lines out. Now, the portal train keeps going. After another solid season at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel continues a trend of transfers at QB for the Sooners, committing to the Ducks for next season. Now, we've got two new QBs on two of the new teams in the Big Ten heading out to the Pacific Northwest. But that's not what's catching our eye. It is the 2024 schedules. Uh, They're not kind. They're really not kind, so it's not (laughs) doing them any favors. Sam, let's start with you and Oregon's schedule for next year.
3: Not kind? But not as bad as you would have thought. I mean, look at those first four games. Hawaii, Idaho, Boise State. Then you got Oregon State. It was going to be a big game. But the only real difference is that Ohio State game on October 12th. Right? Obviously Michigan in November and then Washington. So I'm not overly concerned, if you will, if I'm an Oregon team going into the Big Ten. Michigan, Ohio State, big deals. Um, So those would be bigger games. But I don't know. I expected a little bit more uh, coming into this year.
1: All right, Jordan. How about Washington?
4: Yeah, what really caught my eye on this schedule is the October to November stretch of three or five games. You have Michigan, USC, and then also Penn State. Luckily for Washington, two of those three are at home, but I think that's the situation that's really going to make or break their schedule. Those three or five games, they're going to have to come out of that game 2-1 two, two or 3-0 and oh in order to salvage their season.
1: All right, Sam, let's talk about Ohio State.
3: Yeah, Ohio State. So I'm looking at, once again, early season, I think you see the teams wanted to try and get on a roll. Akron, Western Michigan, Marshall, Michigan State, maybe they'll be back. Then that Oregon game, you circle that again, that's at October 12th. Penn State, Northwestern Michigan. So I, Ohio State isn't as challenging when you look at that schedule as some of the other teams, but there will be challenges, specifically late October, mid to late October.
1: Speaking of Michigan, Jordan, how about Michigan?
4: Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this schedule and caught my eyes that first week of September all the way through the first week of October, three of five, USC and then also Washington. I think that's a brutal stretch for Michigan, but we've seen they have a game that can translate anywhere. They love to run the football, so they're going to lean the running game. Whoever is under center next year, assuming J.J. McCarthy declares for the draft back, we know that Jim Harbaugh is going to want to run the football if they're able to do that in all of those games. I think. It's
1: going to be interesting indeed. We welcome back Pete Thamel. Pete, what other news do you have for players in the transfer portal?
2: Well, an interesting transfer at the receiver position, Victoria, Will Shepard, who was a really productive receiver for four seasons in the SEC for Vanderbilt, which did not have a particularly productive offense over that stretch of time, is headed to Colorado. He's going to play for Coach Prime. He's going to catch balls from Shador Sanders. And this is a similar archetype of a move that we saw Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. make last year. Those guys caught a ton of vertical routes, a ton of goal balls in that tempo offense. Now, we're not sure what Colorado's offense is going to look like, but we know Shador is going to huck it around. Former Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord is on a visit to Syracuse this weekend. There's a lot of synergy between McCord and the Syracuse staff. He's a Philly-area kid, and there's ties to Jeff Nixon, the expected offensive coordinator at Syracuse, who'd been at Temple, and also Fran Brown, a former Temple assistant and a former Rutgers assistant. He's one of about 20 recruits and, uh, and Portal, guys, who's on campus in the Qs this weekend. And then we'll end with Cam Ward. He's on his visit right now to Tallahassee. He was in Miami earlier in the week. It's not known if he's going to take another visit. Ward remains one of the most sought-after players in the transfer portal. But those are the two places that have openly targeted him right now. Interesting twist. DJ Uwe Ungalay lands in Tallahassee tonight. His visit with Florida State starts tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out with two top quarterbacks in Tallahassee on the ground.
1: Interesting indeed. Pete Famel, thank you so much. Coming up on College Football Live, Alabama's controversial playoff path has ruled the college football headlines. Ryan McGee sums up their season and their path to a national championship.
0: Feel us all season, all season. Where else would y'all rather be? We gonna do what we do,
4: though. Fast, free feeling.
0: Let's go, man.
1: just 17 days away from these epic matchups a perfect way to kick off the new year with Texas taking on Washington and Michigan taking on Alabama and speaking of Alabama well their season has been quite the summary of luck and controversy and our very own Ryan McGee sums up Alabama's season that has them knocking on a door of yet another national championship.
0: I feel awful for Florida State.
5: I bet you a prime time Deion Sanders was that coach they wouldn't have gotten left out. You're not going to have a
0: college football playoff without Nick Saban, the godfather.
5: I think it's a little disrespectful for the game of football.
0: Are you angry that Alabama is in the college football playoff? Okay, that's cool. I get it. But that outrage was for the earliest days of the summer. <laughs> and maybe big picture debates further down the road. But the here and now reality is that the Crimson Tide has rolled into this year's finishing four. And the harsh reality of that, well, reality, is that history tells us that if you were one of the other three teams, the ones who arrived carrying far less baggage and amid far fewer boos, the literal elephant in the room isn't just about whether or not Big Al should be here. It's what he might do to everyone now that he is. Am I right, Michigan? I am told that the numbers tell us that this is the worst Alabama team in a decade and a half. I am terrible at math, so I'm not going to use a beautiful mind to try to explain that. But I do know ugly when I see it. And in September, Bama was more unseemly than that time Florida's uniforms to look like actual alligators. This is not the talented Alabama teams we've seen in the past. Week two, Bama was pushed around at home by Texas. Week three, a sloppy showing against South Florida after Jalen Milrow was benched because Nick Saban believed that his sophomore QB needed an attitude adjustment. Entering October, the talk in Tuscaloosa was that the GOAT's greatest days were behind it. The dream of his record extending eighth national title seemed as likely as saving going back to coach at his alma mater, Kent State. Is the quote-unquote dynasty dead? The season just doesn't have a very bright outlook. But Alabama hasn't lost since that embarrassing outing against the Horns. They beat Ole Miss, Tennessee, and LSU, who were all ranked while Milrow ran and threw his way from the bench to Heisman ballots. Kicked in the turbo, Milrow, touchdown, Bama.
1: That's
0: and think about this. If Bama manages to win out, to somehow win its 14th AP or coaches National Championship, then look at what they will have done to get there. Iron Bowl, fourth and 31, the gravedigger, then, Defeat the number one team in the nation in the SEC Championship game. Up next, defeat the new number one team and doing it by winning the Rose Bowl. And then, perhaps, winning the Natty in a revenge rematch against the only team who has defeated them this season.
4: What we do. You know time is now.
0: So, yes. You can be mad about Bama in the college football playoff all you want. If you live in Tallahassee, you should be. But if the tide can turn all of that crimson, and they do it in four straight games, then the time for debating their CFP worthiness will have long passed. And it might be time to start thinking about renaming the CFP trophy the it.
1: All right, let's dive into some more Bama. Jalen Milro struggled early in the season, but really came into his own after being benched for the game against South Florida. Milrow has 12 rush touchdowns this season, one shy of tying the Alabama program record for most by a QB in a season set by Jalen Hurts in 2016. It's paid off well for Jalen. He also announced that he will be staying with the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa next season. And. Alabama is making people feel some type of way. Ahead of their Rolls bowl game against the number one Michigan, they hired a former Michigan assistant, George Hilo. While it's not immediately known exactly what his role will be, he will not be one of the 10 on-field assistants. He actually started his coaching career as an intern for Coach Saban back in 2012. All right, speaking of elephants in the room, it's quite a game of chess that Alabama is playing, Uh, but games aside, pun intended, Uh, Sam, what do we think about these uh, coaching moves?
3: Well, I think it's a huge move for a myriad of reasons. Number one, all of that intel that Hilo's going to bring over to Alabama is going to be integral. This coach was coaching in 2021 and 2022 before being relieved of his duties or mutually parting ways earlier this year. And so that's going to be the intel. But then, secondly, Alabama is, is on a roll, right? You talk about Jalen Milro, he's leading the nation, top three in passer rating since that. 11 game win streak and so offensively michigan's gonna have to be ready for jalen murrow attack not only passing the ball out of his passing touchdowns but also those 12 rushing touchdowns he can do it all
4: yeah i'm right there with you sam i think this is a huge advantage for alabama and we know nick saban he wants to get any edge that he can and with him hiring this linebacker coach i think even though the terminology may be different from when his when his time was there there's some things as far as a technique perspective and then some of the tendencies that they do have that are still similar. So Nick Saban is trying to get every single edge that he can. And with this Alabama offense, they're very versatile. And I think the game changer that we have seen over the past few weeks is the incorporation of Jalen Milrow as a design runner. They did not use Jalen Milrow a whole bunch early on in the season. They were relying on his arm more primarily. But using him as in the design quarterback run game, I think that was a game changer for them this season.
1: Now, of course, like we said, Millrell will be coming back next season, but there's still a lot more football left this season. All right, we're going to take a quick break still to come on College Football Live. Bowl season officially kicks off tomorrow. Our betting insider Joe Fortenbaugh joins us to give us his best bowl bets. season begins Saturday starting at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with Howard and Florida A&M in the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Then Miami of Ohio takes on App State in the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. Then we finish things up with UCLA and Boise State in the Starco Brands LA Bowl at SoFi Stadium. Now, there are seven bowl games on the slate this weekend, and our very own ESPN betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh shows us what are the best bets for the game. So, Joe, show me the money.
5: It's the most wonderful time of the year, college football bowl season, two important factors you have to keep in mind when handicapping these games. Number one, motivation. Which teams want to be here, which teams don't want to be here. Number two, The transfer portal. Some of these teams are going to look very different in their bowl games than they did during the regular season. And with that in mind, we begin with Georgia Southern minus three and a half over Ohio. Ohio absolutely decimated by the transfer portal. Starting quarterback out, backup quarterback was already out, top wide receiver gone, top two running backs gone, top linebacker gone. Georgia Southern limped down the stretch, but they're coming in in better shape than the Ohio team is. We're going to lay three and a half with Georgia Southern. Game number two, Jacksonville State minus two and a half over Louisiana Lafayette. Great debut at the FBS level for Jacksonville State. Eight and four straight up, eight, three, and one against the spread. But because it's their first year in FBS, they weren't allowed to play in the postseason for each of the first two years unless we didn't have enough six-win teams to fill out the bowl schedule. Well, we didn't have enough six-win teams to fill out the bowl schedule, and now Jacksonville State is going to be rewarded with their first bowl game in program history. Love the motivation angle there. Give me Jacksonville State, minus 2.5. And And then finally, New Mexico State, minus 3.5 over Fresno State. Two teams headed in very opposite directions. Jerry Kill did a remarkable job with New Mexico State this season as they won eight of their final nine games down the stretch. Meanwhile, Fresno State lost each of their final three games down the stretch, two of which where they were the outright favorite. Complicating matters, head coach Jeff Tedford is stepping away from the program due to health concerns, so we're going to lay the three and a half with New Mexico State over Fresno State.
1: Thanks, Joe. All right, there's a lot of bowls on the slate this weekend, very exciting stuff. And uh, Sam and Jordan, we want to know who are your impact players to watch so Sam I'm going to start with you with the Myrtle Beach Bowl with Georgia Southern and Ohio
3: so impact players a player you may not have seen a lot of it's going to be third string quarterback Parker Navarro why because we heard it the starter is transferred the backup is out because of a medical issue so Navarro who has legs uh, is going to have to step up big in this one
1: all right Jordan the cricket celebration bowl between Howard and Florida A&M
4: It's Anem Dankwa, the offensive tackle of Howard University. 6'8", 360 pounds. Didn't start playing football until his junior year of high school. Scouts really like his upside as a late-round draft selection.
1: All right, Sam, the R and L Carriers New Orleans Bowl with Jacksonville State in Louisiana.
3: Give me number 91, Chris Hardy, All-Conference USA player. This team is one of the top in the nation in sacks. He has eight and a half himself. I'm going to go Chris Hardy, defensive lineman for Jacksonville State.
1: All right, Jordan, the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl with Miami, Ohio, and App State.
3: I don't know how many
4: times we've highlighted a specialist on College Football Live, but we're doing it today. I'm going with Graham Nicholson, the, cor- the kicker excuse me, of Miami, of Ohio. Lou Groza award winner. Made 25 straight kicks in a row this year, which was an FBS record that was set in 1982.
1: Ooh, we love to see it. Sam, the Azleta New Mexico Bowl with New Mexico State and Fresno State.
3: Quarterback Diego Pavia from Mexico State. Remember that game when New Mexico State upset Auburn? They won 31-10. Pavia was a huge part of that. Had three passing touchdowns. Did it with his legs. Elite.
1: Jordan, the Starco Brands LA Bowl between UCLA and Boise State.
4: Give me defensive end Gabriel Murphy, who's tenacious off of the edge. Seven sacks, a 12.5% pressure rate this year. He's been simply phenomenal, opposite of Latu. Remember the name Gabriel Murphy in this game. He's going to stand out a lot.
1: All right, and finally, Sam, the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl between Cal and Texas Tech. Who do you got?
3: Texas Tech. Texas Tech running back Taj Brooks ran for over 1,400 yards this season. That was fourth in the nation. He's a big reason why Texas Tech made a bowl game. Could have opted out. He didn't. Playing in the game, going to be a big one.
1: All right, which which game, fellas, are you looking forward to most? Sam, Jordan, quick. I'm going to start with you, Sam.
3: Well, I'm going to go with that last one. So, Taj Brooks is, is playing uh, uh, Jay Knott. So, two star running backs outran for over 1,200. And so, as far as tomorrow's games, that's what I'm looking for. What
1: about you, Jordan? Quickly. I'm going with the
3: Cricket Celebration Bowl, the, the battle
4: of the HBCU National Championship. All the marbles are on the table. I'm looking forward to that one.
1: I'm just looking forward to all of them. First, Sam, Jordan, and Pete, I'm Victoria. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend.